Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the New York Historical Society. I'm Louise Mirror. I'm uh, president and CEO here, and I am thrilled to see all of you in our beautiful Robert H. Smith Auditorium tonight. If you haven't yet seen Battle of Brooklyn, which is our main history show on this floor, uh, I hope you'll return during regular museum hours to see it. It's a great show, and uh, it will be closing in about a month's time, so hurry. Tonight's program, True Believer, Stalin's Last American Spy, is a part of the Bernard and Irene Schwartz Distinguished Speakers Series. And as always, I'd like to thank Mr. Schwartz for his great support, which has made it possible for us to bring so many fine historians and writers to our stage. I'd also like to thank and recognize one of our trustees in the audience this evening, the vice chair of our board, Mr. Richard Reese. And I'd like to thank Rick for all he's done on behalf of this great institution. Thanks so much. I also want to thank uh, all of the Chairman's Council members in attendance this evening. Um, your support really makes all the difference in the world to this institution. We're very grateful indeed for it. Tonight's program will last about an hour, and it will include a question and answer session. There will be a formal book signing following the program, and copies of our speakers' books will be available in our museum store. We're so very glad to welcome Kati Martin back to the New York Historical Society. Since 1980, she's combined a career as a writer and as a human rights advocate and she's won many awards for both pursuits. She's the former chair of the International Women's Health Coalition, and she is currently a director of the Committee to Protect Journalists. She's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and the author of nine books, including her latest, True Believer, Stalin's Last American Spy. We're also thrilled to welcome Jonathan Alter back to the New York Historical Society. Mr. Alter is an award-winning author, reporter, columnist, and analyst. Since 1996, he served as analyst and contributing correspondent for NBC News and MSNBC. He's a former columnist and senior editor at Newsweek, where he wrote for 28 years. He now has a twi twice-monthly column in the Daily Beast, and he's author of several books, He's currently working on a full-length biography of former President Jimmy Carter. Before we begin, as always, I'd like to ask that you please make sure that anything that makes a noise like a cell phone is switched off. And now, please join me in welcoming our speakers to the stage. Hi, Louise. Welcome. Uh, we have a great uh, evening, um, not just of Cold War history, but of real relevance to what's going on now, which is something that um, I think is, it, it's not a direct analogy, and this is something that I hope we can explore. And actually, let's just, I was going to kind of back up and have you talk about the book, and we will do that in a second, but let me ask you first. Why now, and why is this story relevant? Okay, today? well, first of all, thank you, John, for honoring me with uh, this 
moderator role. John is is one of my most admired scribes, so it's always well, that's, flattering to be. I love all of Kati's books. Well. I've read all of them. Back at you. Um, and it's wonderful to be back with so many um, friends and neighbors from the from the Upper West Side. I recognize many faces, and, and above all, um, my wonderful editor, Alice Mayhew, is in the front row. So I am super nervous. Uh, <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have spotted you, Alice, because now I really have to be on my toes. Um, so to answer your question, why uh, True Believer is so relevant now and, and why I unearthed this fairly obscure character that, uh, that even Cold War historians hadn't really heard of. So the relevance is that, um, sad to say, I know you're all dying not to talk about <clears throat> the great unmentionable, um, but, but, uh, but we must because, because the parallels between the 30s and today are, are overpowering. And, um, and the, the, um, the fact is that, that in the 30s, um, which forms the backdrop of, of True Believer, um, the, the country was, was going through a similar period of disenchantment and a, and a sense of uh, capitalism uh, having um, lost its way, a country really proving to be a rigged dysfunctional. System. A rigged system, yes, yes. And, and the, the disenchanted generation um, of which um, Noel Field was part um, really felt that the the answer to uh, progress lay in pretty much burning the house down, the house of democracy. And uh, because there were so many unemployed people, 11 million, um, there, was a, there was a sense that, um, that the, the system itself was not worth saving. Now, mind you, this is before FDR's um, New Day optimism. This is this is uh, from from the mid twenties to the mid thirties. But by the time FDR came in, uh, this generation was lost to um, to democracy. And very or some much, of them were. I mean, these were a pretty elite group. They were Norfield elite. Went yes. to Harvard and yes. you know and 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 best the, and the brightest. The spy. The British spies went to Oxford or Cambridge. Yeah. And uh, um, so, in some ways, this was. Uh, uh, a rich kid's uh, ideological play thing. Yes. Uh, how much? Let's back up and talk about Nolfield's uh, background yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's a fascinating, so complex we, guy. He was raised in Switzerland. Yeah. And to, to take him up through the Sacco and Vanzetti trial, which was yeah. an important influence. That, that was a hinge event for for Field and for many in that generation. That um, the uh, I, I'm sure in this extremely literate audience, you, the name Sacco and Vanzetti resonates. But, but uh, for Field, who uh, who was at Harvard um, when the when the Sacco and Vanzetti trial uh, unfolded, that began his real alienation. As you said, he was he he spent his early childhood in in uh, in Zurich, son of 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 a, a distinguished American biologist, also a Harvard man. Um, and uh, uh, catastrophically, the father, um, who, who would have played a, a moderating influence on, on this idealistic, brilliant son, he went through a four-year course at Harvard in two years, um, died suddenly. 
shortly after he took um, Knoll to the uh, still fresh battlefields of World War I, Verdun and, and the Marne, and basically charged the sun, who, who took in this, this um, grim uh, landscape of, of uh, thousands of thousands of, of graves still fresh, um, charge the sun with, pre prevent the next one. Don't let it happen again. The sun took that very much to heart and, and was, was en, en route to, to a um, career as a, as a uh, humanitarian slash diplomat. And he met Alan Dulles, who became head of the CIA. At that point. Later yeah. on as a yeah. 14-year-old or something yes, like that. Yes, yes. And uh, the two of them would, would, uh, would intersect uh, um, several times, and of course, uh, of course, their final intersection. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, proved uh, proved to be um, a curse on both their careers. Um, so, the the idea of uh, this kind of radicalization. Um, one of the things that intrigued me about it in the current context is, you know, we tend to think of these these ISIS guys, and I think, as all of you know, you know, Noel Field. Uh, provide information that led to the death of many people. I mean, Hundreds, he, he became yeah. a Stalinist uh, stooge, whatever you want to call Spy. it. Spy, agent, yeah. agent apologist. Uh, you know, in its own way, every bit as bad as being in Al Qaeda, and and so it it does raise this sort of psychological question that I think a lot of us, when we read the stories about terrorists, when we read about their backgrounds, uh, or even the, the guys who did the Boston Marathon bombing, yes. we want to know what is it in their childhoods? What yeah. happened? And what's and this story is as perplexing as a lot of those. He was a Quaker, right? He was well-educated. He came from a happy home. Uh, until until the death of the father, which was very disorienting. At which point, uh, the mother brought the family back, and and he he was enrolled uh, at Harvard, and he found Harvard to be extremely elitist, which it was, and and he'd been raised on his father's kind of uh, fantasy Harvard, and so that was a, a rude shock to this young idealist. Um, but but um, the 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 fact is that that um, the radicalization of Noel Field was like so many ISIS recruits. It began as self radicalization. So you didn't need the internet to self radicalize. You just needed the public library to to uh, read you know all the great tomes uh, by by Marx and and Lenin and and he he began sort of a double life even as a very young diplomat in the in the State Department. He his real life was as he put it, uh, was at night when he was inhaling these, um, these tomes. And, and so unbeknownst to him, Moscow, um, Stalin, the Kremlin, was, was looking for just such a person, a, an alienated but extremely well-placed person uh, of whom no one would ever suspect. Uh, so, so much was he, quote unquote, one of us, very much in the Kim Philby mold. Um, that that he could possibly betray his country. You know, he was the the and that, and that sitting home at night reading the Marxist Leninist yeah. literature. It's a little bit like these terrorists now sitting at home on at night internet. on the internet, yeah. and there's some cleric across the ocean, like Moscow was for him, who's yes, who, kind of narrow casting to these susceptible individuals. Yes, yes, and there were talent spotters, Kremlin talent spotters, look at on the lookout for just such 
just such young people who, who had brilliant unlimited careers ahead of them. Because in, in those days, uh, world revolution was, was Moscow's goal. And they wanted to have people in place to, Alger Hiss was another such recruit. So it's not you know, poverty or certain kind of you no. know, uh, injustice that no. is necessarily- Nor money. Or money that creates no. this either now or yeah. then, is there a thrill to the double life? He's writing speeches for Secretary of State Cordell Hall in the 30s, and yeah. he's you know he and Alger Hiss, who is kind of a classier version, uh, you know they are leading these elaborate double lives. And yeah, it, yeah. I think there is a thrill in the double life and pulling one over on on uh, on everybody, and he he says as much in in his letters. Um, I was very fortunate in having access to um, to his letters because because th this man was the master of deceit. As a spy, you have to be, and so really, the only truth he ever uttered is is in the, is between the pages of True Believer, because uh, he did reveal himself to uh, um, family members and then and then fellow uh, communists in a in a way that that uh, he never did. Um, anywhere else, so so I, I was I was lucky to have access to that that correspondence, uh, partly because the surviving family were also mystified by by his story and what happened because he did disappear behind the iron curtain. Um, so we'll in the period that. before that, before he disappears behind the iron curtain, like when he's running into Arthur Schlesinger at you know yes. parties. Um, who immediately his ra Arthur's radar went up immediately. Went how up. so? Uh, I guess he was a shrewd judge of character, which Wild Bill Donovan apparently was not, because because uh, Donovan, who was both was Schlesinger's boss in those days in the OSS, uh, told told Arthur, uh, who was well known to both of us, I think, um, that uh, here's a promising recruit. Um, and here's, you know, I want you to go meet with him in Paris. And then this is the um, the um, project that that he I want you to put him in charge of smuggling um, Germans behind Nazi lines. And and Arthur, after a half hour with Noel Field, smelled a rat, as he put it. Um, said this 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 man is not working for our interests. He's he's working for the Soviets, and uh, and refused to um, collaborate with him. But he was, he was almost unique in that because, because Noel Field uh, deceived uh, people who were much closer to him than, uh, than Schlesinger. And in, by the late 40s, you know, Arthur Schlesinger and others were becoming liberal anti-communists, but there were a whole group of people who voted for Henry Wallace, who was very sympathetic to the Soviet Union. Actually, the first, uh, the last presidential candidate until Donald Trump, who had a lot of nice things to say about Russia and the Soviet Union. Yes. was Henry Wallace, <laughs> and and yeah. So it, in those, but were liberals um, not you know who were not in the Schlesinger camp, not not Cold War liberals, were the bulk of American progressives then? Were they suckers? Had they just were they, they were willfully, they were naive? They were naive, they, and they were they were um, without much. Experience in in uh, don't forget that that uh, the Soviets were our allies during the war, 
and nobody was expecting the Cold War to follow the hot war. And um, so, you know, it, uh, Donovan said, I, while Bill Donovan said, I'd, I'd, I'd put Stalin on my payroll if he'd be willing, because, because we were allies. The enemy, the enemy were, were uh, the fascists, the Nazis. And, and even J. Edgar Hoover, when presented with a list of, um, of Soviet agents in the State Department and in Treasury and and even um, and and most certainly at the at the Department of Agriculture, which was Wallace's yeah. turf, which yeah. was which was which was crowded with with agents uh, working for, including Alger Hiss. Uh, he he Hoover was was uninterested and 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 thought these were were you know, sort of boys having their fun. And when, when, um, and when did that change? What year would, did he become an ardent anti-communist? Uh, well, I think partly to compensate for his early, uh, sloppiness, um, he, um, by, by the early forties, he was, he was. So still uh, during the, during the war, he was starting to get Suspicious. Toward the end of the war, yeah. when yes, yes, so, but even FDR, when presented with a list, an right. actual list uh, that Whitaker Chambers yeah. uh, um, drew up, he he said, "Don't bother me with this. Let's let, defeating defeating the Germans is, is yeah." So you remember uh, Michael Strait, yeah, who sure, New Republic, and, yeah, uh, and mm -hmm. toward the end of his life, he had been a communist, and he mm -hmm. told me uh, that you know before the war, maybe up up to the war. He would go with the other communists to parties on the White House lawn, and there were yeah. a lot of them. And is it is it true that essentially um, McCarthy overreacted so much and made up so much stuff that people forgot that there was sort of a germ? Of Absolutely, truth? hate yeah. to admit it. Yes, you know yes, because yes, he yes. was so bad. Well, and Nixon but, too. Yeah. I mean, Nixon actually plays a, a rather positive role in this saga because because Nixon really. Um, I mean, this was this this was before he subverted our constitution, but uh, uh, which is uh, noteworthy. Um, but in in uh, in those days, um, Nixon was the only one. Who who pursued his um, after um, testimonies from from Atchison from Frankfurter the entire establishment lined up behind Alger Hiss which by the way if 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 there are any of you left who who think that Alger Hiss was not a uh, Soviet agent um, you will be disabused of that uh, in my, uh, after you read my book because there's New York not was a filled shred with people who believed that until the end of the Cold War and the documents came out. I, I mean, I, mean, I, I, like I still you could, I, I can remember going to events where half the audience, at least, were, were sure yeah. that he had. Been well, his his went to his grave. His plays a big role in this book. His was was um, Noel Field's uh, very close friend and ally, and tried to recruit him for Soviet military intelligence, which is who. His worked for uh, Noel Field ended up working for um, for the KGB. It was called something else in those days, but um, but uh, but they were um, they were allies. Um, and and um, His went to his his grave denying um, that that he um, was even a party member. But when you when you read this book, you'll see that that lying about uh, your part your your uh, Soviet um, allegiance is is the first thing that that you 
are inculcated to doing. So it's not considered lying. So that um, it, it, you, you're not even supposed to um, share share this with with your family apart from your spouse. You're allowed to share it with your spouse, but you're not supposed to reveal that you're an agent to anybody. You you know at at, at uh, cost of. But Hiss was death. a better liar than Field. Much better. Well, much no, better. He was so. a great performer, and 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 Nolfield understood that he that that Hiss was trained uh, as a as a trial lawyer, and that he could. Um, smoothly deceive uh, uh, entire um, Senate panels, uh, whereas he could not, which is which is why he bolted to the east, having been lured there to Prague with the fake promise of a of a teaching position, um, and thinking that that he would elude an FBI subpoena. Uh, by going by going to Prague, once once he, his uh, identity had been revealed by uh, on the front page of the New York Times by by Whitaker Chambers, he he was now a man without a country. He goes to Prague and and falls into a trap set not by the people that that he was uh, betraying his own country, but by the people that he was serving, the Soviets. Why? Because Stalin advanced paranoia in late life, wanted to um, purge all his perceived enemies, and who better uh, to uh, be a witness against all of Stalin's um, enemies, in quotation marks, than this American agent who knew all of them and could, with a little bit of, or more than a little bit of torture, um, be made to confess that actually he, Noel Field, was CIA, and that all the people that Stalin wanted to get rid of were thus also CIA because he had recruited them. So it's a, it's a um, kind of a Le Carre-esque uh, plot, but Noel Field was never anything but a loyal Soviet agent. He was never uh, a, a double agent. He, he, and even although he confessed to being that because under torture you confess to any damn thing. And we'll... we'll get to his being completely unrepentant, but to set that up, yeah. uh, um, before we get to the, my, to my mind, mind-blowing lack of uh, repentance, yeah, uh, really. explain who Erica Wallach was. Oh, okay. Well, Erica Wallach saved this project for me because she's, she is, she's the heroine of the thing. It's, you know, writing a book is like being married to somebody you you're you're living with it night and day and Noel Field uh I was not in love with Noel Field I, he's a he's he's a complex uh an interesting uh character to write about but he's not a particularly uh appealing one Erica his adopted daughter uh I I was totally smitten by and she is the if there's a movie of this yeah. uh she, she will make cinematic. a yeah. so tell her life story okay so so uh Noel Field and his wife uh decided not to have children because that would divert them from the cause that is to say world communism so they didn't have children but during the Spanish Civil War uh they 1936 just to right. keep everybody uh yeah which is <clears throat> like the Sacco and Vanzetti trial the Spanish Civil War is is another hinge event in in <clears throat> in the book and in Noel Field's life uh he he Noel and his wife encounter this this German family <clears throat> and uh unable to look after their 
their daughter <clears throat> on the run. They, they adopt the daughter who is, is bright and sassy and wonderful and fearless. Jewish, and, German Jewish and, family. Yeah. And, um, and, and uh, uh, they have high hopes for her as a future communist. Um, she's fiercely independent. She is, she's not communist, although she, uh, for a while, since the communists were the only ones who were doing anything against the Nazis, God knows we weren't, um, excuse me for diverting you for one second, but another parallel with today is, is that, uh, that then as now refugees were, um, uh, we, 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 uh, tightened quotas against refugees. Um, shamefully fleeing, fleeing Hitler, uh, mostly Jews, and that too was another reason for this disenchanted generation to to embrace uh, communism was that. Um, so um, uh, she, he, they adopt this refugee. She she grows up to be a, a wonderful young woman, and um, and when when. Um, Noel Field is uh, is captured in in Prague, as I mentioned. Um, the U.S. government um, doesn't um, do do much to to track him down because by now it's known that he was a, a communist agent through Whitaker Chambers. Um, Erica, who's just met and fallen in love with a with a U.S. Uh, with an American GI, and has just produced uh, two. Um, Two little kids. I mean, one of them is only six months old. The other is a year and a half. Uh, hands the GI the babies and says, "I'm going to go find Noel because Noel saved my life in Spain, and I owe him that." Well, uh, and I have contacts in in uh, Berlin now, Soviet-controlled Berlin. Well, she too, like Noel, uh, walks right into a trap, and her reward for this courage is five years of hard labor in in the Gulag Archipelago's northernmost outpost. And almost executed, just she's condemned to die until Stalin dies. She's scheduled to be executed for doing nothing more than going to look look for her foster father. But the remarkable thing about Erica is is that she emerges from this ordeal. Um, full of life, full of spirit, grateful to be alive, and and then this is when the the uh, the U.S.'s own uh, shameful behavior, kind of mirror uh, behavior in the Cold War, uh, kicks in. We are now in the age of McCarthy and Nixon and and Hoover, and uh, she is not allowed to rejoin her her children and her husband in Virginia because. She spent all that time in uh, in in the Soviet Union, laying tracks and and not having much fun. Um, nevertheless, she's a she's a, a figure of suspicion, and it takes her two years to get a visa. Um, so, but but once once she rejoins the family, she absolutely uh, restarts her life and and becomes an extremely beloved. Um, teacher of, uh, of French and Latin in the um, Virginia school system. So much so that uh, she, she died uh, way too soon. She, she died at age 70, but they still talk about her. So I had a lovely time finding, finding people who, who, uh, who had stories about Erica Wallach, and, and, and now I'm friendly with her children too. But I, I was amazed that when she finally came out with her memoirs, mm-hmm. and, which Alan Dulles told her he liked, after keeping her from coming back to the U.S. Yeah. after she'd he been had the, he had in the prison for five stolen. years. Yeah, right. Yeah. He stole it from the publisher. 
But then, so she sends it to Noel Field, and he waits a full year before he returns it. When he, you know, sends her a note about it, he says, well, you exaggerated how bad the East German communists were. And they'd been beating the crap out of both of them. Out of and, both you know, yeah. And so talk still- about Stockholm syndrome that, yeah. you know, he, he developed or that he, so it, it, it's still, it, to me, the, one of the great things about this book is just the psychological puzzle. We haven't even talked about his wife, yes. Noel's wife, who's who also followed him, who, who, who followed him um, all the way to prison. They were, they were in, the, in the same uh, maximum security prison as a stroke of good luck for me. Um, it happened to be the same prison where my parents With were incarcerated. the same number. He had the same prison number as your father, right, in Hungary. Same cell. Same yeah. cell. Same interrogator. And his wife was two two uh, cells over, and they didn't know it for how many years? Five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, One time they, he heard a cough. He thought it was his his wife's cough. Yeah, and it was. It and did. it was, but it, he could didn't believe it was true. He couldn't imagine that she would be in the same prison. Yeah, well, she would have followed him um, as 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 um, their Soviet recruiter said, if he would have chosen. Uh, uh, to become a Tibetan monk, um, she would have happily become a Tibetan monk. So talk about your parents' intersection with this story, which obviously influenced your your interest in it. And they, did they interviewed him at one point? Well, one of the conditions, uh, after Stalin's death, um, Noel Field, actually, <laughs> the, the, the another bizarre thing is that their, their interrogator defected, turned up in Washington, interrogator slash torturer, um, turned up in Washington, big CIA news conference, uh, where where he um, reveals that uh, that the Field family, uh, Noel, his wife, his brother. We haven't mentioned the brother, also a naive Quaker, a distinguished uh, Boston architect. Uh, also goes looking for him. He he ends up in in a dungeon in Warsaw. Um, so a whole American family disappears, the, and and the the torturer uh, now in now in Washington's um, uh, custody uh, reveals that they're still alive. So now the, the State Department bombards the Kremlin with with uh, memoranda demanding their release. They're, they are released, um, and and um, um, Noel, who is, who is in no mood to face the the music. Uh, back home, asks for uh, political asylum in the country that had incarcerated him and tortured him, Hungary. One of the conditions of his release is that he never talked to the press. So the only two uh, journalists ever to to pierce his 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 uh, wall of silence were my mother and father. Uh, my father was the AP correspondent. My mother, UPI, in in uh, in Budapest. Uh, a, a, a crime for which they did some serious jail time too, as we mentioned in the same prison. And during the the, the chaos of the Hungarian Revolution, they located the fields. And and uh, so you have these two couples who recently freed from the same prison. You know, sort of. Uh, eyeballing wow. each other, and and actually, the my mother later told me that the first question that Mrs. Field asked. Uh, uh, Ilona Marta and my my mother was what happened to the little girls? I was one of the little girls, uh, an older sister. 
Julia, uh, and we were part of the news coverage of my parents' uh, jailing and trial and so on. It was, even by communist standards, it was kind of unusual to jail, you know, both uh, uh, husband and wife. Uh, so we were front page uh, news, and so so um, so Mrs. Field was was aware of that. Um, and then you know you you go through so many boring documents in the in the days that I that that I spent in in both the Moscow and Budapest archives. And but but once in a while there's something that really perks you up. And and one was in the in the secret police archives. There was a letter that Noel Field had written to Alger Hiss, absolutely savaging my father. Uh, calling him, you know, all sorts of bad names and, and above all, rude. My father was the world's most polite person, so he would be shocked by this letter, saying, Martin, the rudest man. Imagine Alger, he didn't call for an interview, just yeah. showed up <laughs> at my doorstep yeah. as if, you know, calling for yeah. an interview would have uh, gotten them past the, the front door. But so the, that, was the only, that was the only interview they ever gave, and of course I had my father's notes, so that was forms part of the... But the, the, the sort of the juxtaposition or the cognitive dissonance between some human touches, uh, Herta, the wife caring about the children, or them taking uh, Erica uh, yeah. Wallach as a foster child, and you know, some compassion uh, mm -hmm. for human beings in their letters. And then that's in the same place as them knowingly sending people to their deaths. Uh, well, yeah, this will this will shock you. Human beings are complicated. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of what I, yeah. before in the last yeah. Yeah. few minutes, uh, before we open it up for, for questions, you know, I want to see if we can just, I mean, I know you're not a psychologist, but, but th this sort is of, the, you sort have of, to be too. This is at right? the intersection of yeah. history and psychology, and I think a lot of us in our thinking about where this country might be going, mm -hmm in the next few years. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you just mentioned that your parents uh, were sent off to jail, uh, uh, even though they had young children, it reminded me of a panel that I did last year at BU uh, with uh, the Mirapol uh, oh, yes. sons. These are uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg's two yeah. sons. And we yeah. did a panel about the case. There were some new papers that came out. Uh, and they were very young at the time their parents were executed, and it turned out that Ethel absolutely should not have been uh, executed. Now, the the DA, the assistant DA who prosecuted that case was somebody I think all of you have heard of. Some of you may have even known him personally. Uh, his name uh, was Roy Cohn, and he um, was the the mentor of, of Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. So again, uh, so we're back are, on that subject. Yeah, there yeah. are there are these yeah. these connections, uh, yes. Um, yes. and and uh, so I, mean, I I think I'm asking something that's on everybody's mind. And when you said that we, there are these comparisons to the 1930s, uh, and that history can be very cruel and and very disorienting in what human beings can do to other human beings. Yes. Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I think that that um, Americans tend to be a little bit more um, innocent 
um, and and uh, and shocked, shocked when um, when evil rears its uh, ugly face. And I think one of the reasons why why um, uh, I I write the books I write is because I think history is is too important to be left to historians. And and I think that 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 it we we really uh, have to stop being surprised uh, by the fact that um, history is happening to us, and now with a vengeance, it's happening to us. The the um, this this election, the the result of this election is a very um, is a is a personality uh, type that's very familiar to Europeans, but is unfamiliar to us, and and uh, you know the promises that he made uh, to get himself elected, which are uh, which are absolutely unrelated to reality, um, are very much the the in in the same um, fantasy world that um, that Noel Field was seduced by. Uh, in well, other words, I mean that's a big charge. Like, what do you, what do you yeah. mean by that? Well, that you know that I can fix everything. Um, that there's an answer to every problem, and every injustice can be can be uh, uh, eliminated. That trust me. Um, and, um, and I'll make it all happen. Just trust me. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in, uh, uncharted territory here. Uh, and in the, in the thirties, um, as now Moscow was manipulating, um, politics in, in, in this country. So the they penetration, the penetration of, American politics and, and the American government by Moscow that we saw in the last year is in some ways reminiscent of the way they played the game. In well, the, yes, uh, under, yes, under yes. I mean, I mean, in Putin, you have a KGB uh, graduate. You, <laughs> um, I mean, that's who he is. Um, no mystery about that. And um, unfortunately, we we don't have a very deep sense of um, of of history because we're we've been lucky and we're sheltered by two oceans and and uh, now now I think it's kind of a testing time for for uh, for our democracy. I mean, my my first instincts after the election were were to um, to cultivate my garden for four years. I, I don't have much of a garden, but um, but but I was gonna. That's what I was gonna do. I don't think we can do that. No. I I I um I have I have since come out from under that fog, and and I now think that that we have to be more engaged than than ever because this is, yeah. you know, my my uh, my parents brought me to this country, and in a way, I'm happy they're no longer alive, frankly, uh, because because they did see this as. Uh, as to coin a cliche, man's last best hope, and it was certainly their last stop. My grandparents didn't survive uh, the Holocaust, and my parents were jailed by the communists. So this was our last stop, and I think they would be astonished that by the result of this election. I, I'm sorry we we ended up talking about, about the very topic we said we wouldn't talk about, but it's impossible not to. Well, I think it's, there, I think it's appropriate that we do because you do have to have that sense of history. I mean, I was thinking about. 
my late father, who would be appalled, uh, and he um, was in college at the time of Pearl Harbor, and he enlisted. And he didn't want to spend the next four years of his life uh, flying missions over Nazi Germany and defending democracy, but you don't choose when history is calling on you to defend our democracy. And our generation, we've gone through many decades without being called to serve to defend democracy, so now we're being called. And the question is whether we will enlist, like my father and George H.W. Bush and many others did when, when they believed democracy was on the line. Yeah. And, and so then the question becomes, well, how do you enlist? And that, that requires the creativity of people in this room. It might be giving money to the ACLU. It might be organizing the 2018 midterms. It could be a lot of different yeah. things. But, but everybody have everybody has make a commit to anybody with a historic, I guess what we're saying, and I, I hope I'm speaking for you, is anybody with a historical sensibility yeah. who would come to the New York Historical Society, you know, needs to at least address the question of, of how they will enlist. Yeah, and, and I, I think that we understand um, history uh, more deeply through the experience of, of, uh, of one person than, than if we paint um, a large uh, tableau. So I like to yeah. take sort of obscure characters and through them um, bring the reader right. into, into uh So you've done history. that. That's, that's your... Your MO, that's the way you select your, your books. Um, and you use an obscure yeah. figure. Yeah, Wallenberg to, was not not at all known. And I think mine was the first book of George Polk. George uh, Polk. And, and then some of the figures in The Great Escape, some of them I was familiar with, other of these Hungarian emigres I was just learning about. Um, that, to me, as an author, is really daunting. Because I get to, I, I write books about famous people, uh, presidents, you know, so I get to kind of has a rely on the too. fact that they, you know, they, you, you know that they're going to be able to carry the story. I would be kind of frightened of tackling stories about less uh, well-known people. Isn't, isn't it intimidating to have to take somebody and, and invest their lives with the importance that you need to, to write a book about them? Well, the, uh, you know, Raul, neither Raoul Wallenberg nor, nor uh, uh, Noel Field were, were inconsequential characters. They just weren't, their stories weren't known. Um, but they, they both reveal uh, uh, um, enormously important uh, events and I think that until we we feel those events um, as as humans, uh, we don't, you know, they 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 stay uh, in the uh, dusty uh, bookshelves of of uh, libraries. And and so I think that if if uh, if I can bring the reader into the human experience, and and even with a character as 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 complex and screwed up as 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 Noel Field and we and 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 we we haven't uh, scratched the surface of just how complex he was. I mean, he he really even after even after uh, torture, he he still defended. He still considered that it was the mistakes of a few that that uh, that 
um, mishandled uh, an essentially um, good program, <laughs> communism, for for which there's no. So so. Um, so w- was there a moment when you were puzzled that uh, he didn't go uh, the way Whitaker Chambers and others did, and and just flip? Uh, and and you realized he was kind of doubling down on his... Well, by then, uh, I understood, as I think uh, you as readers will understand, that for him to to admit at that late point in life um, that it was all a mistake would have would have absolutely um, negated his whole life it, it would have it would have been an admission that that um, that he he just completely blew it and 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 not only uh, his life but he crushed his family's I mean that to me is one of the most um, uh, striking and appalling things about Noel Field is that he sacrificed his his whole family, and by the way, never apologized to any of them uh, for for um, what he put them through: jail and and destroyed family lives, etc. Uh, never apologized to anybody. He just said, "Well, some families contend with a black sheep in in their family. Yours has a red sheep." And that was yeah, um, that that was as far as as he would go. So he so I I think he was he just couldn't he just um, couldn't go that far. He, so much so that that um, he was given his um, I mean his dream came true at the end. He was given the the the, the funeral of a of a hero of the of the Russian Revolution with full military honors. Um, and and uh, so finally he he got the public recognition for for his service that that he clamored for his whole miserable life. <laughs> so on that note, I'm happy to take anybody's questions. There are microphones on both sides. Uh, on on any on any to, topic, as to as you approach. see, we have we have opinions. Uh, <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, are you implying that the Russians are playing uh, us in the same way that that uh, they were playing their own American uh, uh, communist agents, that the people who have contacts in Russia from our government are being played and, and, and their naivete exploited? Um. They sure would like to um, play us, and I think that they. Yes, I. I, I think it's been demonstrated that that many of the um, hacked emails were hacked by um, b- by uh, Russian hackers who um, who have um, demonstrably uh, close ties to uh, to Putin. So so yes. Um, it's 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 not the Cold War anymore, uh, but um, and the fake news sites as well, which were often yeah. more read than real yeah. news sites. And what the Russians uh, are doing in, in 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 Syria is um, is is absolutely uh, brutal and appalling, and uh, and not the kind of behavior that we expected in in the post Cold War world. So I guess the answer. Is so yes. it, it could just to follow up on that for a second. You you raised the issue of useful idiots, which is a mm-hmm. harsh but 
sometimes accurate way of describing people who were dupes, idiots, useful mm -hmm. idiots. So is it possible that for all of his bluster, uh, Donald Trump could someday be remembered as a, a, after they gobble up the Baltic states and Ukraine as a useful idiot for the Russians? Well, that's a, that's a pretty depressing thought because, because uh, we are all living in, in his country. And, um, you know, this is, this is not history. This is, this is the present. Um, so I think what you said, John, about how we have to, our, our, our job as citizens doesn't end with casting a vote every four years, and, and I think particularly not now. So it's, it's un, it, it is unwritten whether that will be the case, but it's possible. He certainly is proud of the fact that he doesn't read, and, and, um, and that is unique to the presidency as far as I know. I mean, uh, a non-reading a non uh, president. Well, we've had presidents before, in fairness, who have not been big readers, but they were intellectually curious, and yes. they, they wanted important. to learn uh, uh, from a lot of different people, uh, and, and they, they absorbed information yes. orally. But he doesn't seem to be particularly interested in policy, which could have its advantages. You know, it might mean that He's less ideological, so we don't. Some things we don't know yet. Yeah, uh, I was very intrigued <clears throat> by Noel Field, and more especially by your talking about the concept of evil as applied to him. And I know you're not a psychologist. I have to be a shrink. But um, <laughs> would you have any opinion as to whether he was a psychopath? No, he, I don't think he was a psychopath. No, he was many things, but, but, uh, but maybe you'll come away with a different conclusion as a trained professional. Well, when people don't have guilt around the kinds of evil that they really do to other people and spend their whole lives doing it and then come with no kinds of apologies or mm -hmm. any kind of repentance after the fact, it's hard to believe this is a uh, fully you know, vested human being. Are you talking about Trump? No. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far, but, but why not? But anyway, yeah. um, I'm curious about your opinion. Yeah, I, I, think he was, um, I think he was a weak man fundamentally, and I think he was looking to be saved and found his captured uh, very early by a very powerful faith, um, again, the ISIS um, analogy holds, and um, and I think he he it's very um, hard to let go of uh, of a faith that that really explains everything and and relieves you of critical thinking, and um, and even of guilt and of guilt too because you are serving the cause and the party is never wrong, and therefore. Um, if, if, uh, if you have to serve, um, if you as an innocent are, are forced to, to, um, serve unjustly, it's for the greater good, for the ultimate good of the party and the party is never wrong. It's kind of, kind of like, um, you know, any, any extremist faith, you, you serve the cause. And but so this, this is a kind of a, a, uh, elitist question from me, but, um, 
not kind of, it is an elitist question. Uh, I guess what's puzzling, especially puzzling, is you can see, um, say, the 9-11 hijackers, uh, with the exception of Mohammed Ada, who was an architect, most of them had no education. They weren't uh, educated in being critical thinkers. They hadn't learned how to you know, raise questions uh, and to think things through and to get, you know, they, they, they weren't educated. It really is a sign of the limitations of education that you do have these highly educated people who still can place that much faith in, in a party. Well, uh, if, you're, if you're sufficiently alienated from your own uh, society, um, as he was, uh, he was alienated with good reason by the, by the routine racism that he encountered in, in Washington, uh, by, by the brutality with, with which uh, Hoover uh, dealt with the bonus marchers, you know, the veter World War I veterans who descended on, on Washington. Uh, he saw this, and he did not see the um, brut Stalinist brutality because that was um, remote, and and and, um, and and what he knew of the Soviet Union was all um, Soviet propaganda, and he imbibed that. And and um, the, um, the Soviet propagandists really were the masters of spin. They they uh, they had a, a worldwide. Um, network of, of true believers. That, that's um, a very good part of this book where you, where you explain the way the spy masters and the propaganda masters sp spun information. Really another great part of the book. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'd like to follow up on this discussion, but I want to ask you uh, quickly first, are your books translated into Hungarian? Yes, are they are. I'm okay. happy. I'm, that makes me very happy. It's a small country, but it's my country. And, and um, eight of my books have been translated. And I have to say they're all bestsellers. Yeah. So. And this one will be as well? It has been. It, 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 I, I was just in Budapest um, for the publication. And it's out it's, um, so, there. So to follow up on mm -hmm. uh, this um, conversation about um, manipulation by, at one time, the Soviets and now the Russians, yeah. um, probably a lot of people in the audience heard the, in, uh, if they could stand to watch it, I only could watch in snippets, the 60 Minutes interview by Leslie Stahl with yes. the Trump family shortly after the election. No aspersions on Leslie Stahl, but just painful to watch. Yeah. Um, at one point, as you know, Mrs. Stahl wrote a book about being a grandparent or the joys of being a grandparent. She asked Melania about uh, how the Obamas had brought their mother-in-law, you know, to the White House to kind of be yes. whatever. Now, my husband was born in 47. He is a former citizen of the former Soviet Union, as he puts it. And he said to me a couple of times with a raised eyebrow, Donald Trump is about to bring as first lady to the White House the daughter of a communist. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, we know that Melania's father is not an ideological communist, but when Leslie Stahl asked whether they would bring the in-laws to the White House, uh, um, it perked my uh, interest. Yes. All right, thank you. Yeah, that, that was... That that was about 198 on my list of things to worry about. But, <laughs> but now there's one more. There's one more. Yeah. 
Thank you for Thank pointing you. that out. Could there be a listening post in the White House is my question. <laughs> they, they wanted Melania to be a model, and they, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't seem like they were very... I don't, I don't mean to answer the question. Maybe you have a different view. But. No, I, I, I think this, the, the little we know of, of the in-laws, I think they're more interested in the marble bathrooms than... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just a hunch. <laughs> Hi, I am a member of the Historical Society and its book club, which is quite wonderful, and I invite you all to check it out. I am the daughter of a Trotskyite, and my bedtime story was the Russian Revolution. However, I would fall asleep, and I never got to the end. I don't know how it really ended until I uh, well. studied it formally. <laughs> But my dad was a staunch anti-Stalinist, and he told me stories about what it was like growing up in Brooklyn, New York, where apparently there were pitched battles in the streets between the Stalinists and the Trotskyites. In my life experience, it has been quite interesting meeting my peers who came from those communist homes, and they refer to their background as and their families as progressives. Mm -hmm. They were progressives. One good friend who I really kind of had a candid conversation with said to me, well, nobody knew. Nobody knew what was really going on in the Soviet Union that at that time. And my question to you is, were they delusional? Mm -hmm. And are some of these yeah. second generation folks similarly delusional? Well, an awful lot of, of, uh, of really smart people uh, were deluded. I mean, the, the vast, I would say, the vast uh, majority of the American intellectual class was, was uh, t at least temporarily um, uh, deluded by, by um, communism, not necessarily Stalinism. I think the, the preeminent um, exemplar um, although he's not American, is Arthur Kessler, who, uh, who figures prominently in my narrative because, uh, because he, he really um, went through all the stages that, that Noel Field and Alger Hiss went through of the, of the seduction and the conversion and the, and the um, uh, imbibing of the, of the uh, faith. And, but, but then when he went to the uh, Soviet Union for the first time, um, he uh, he saw the that that the reality was was something quite different um, and brutal and and then the result of that of course was darkness at noon and which was what, the first what book. year was that well he he wrote it in uh, 1940 um, and so it uh, it didn't sell very well because in those days. People like your friend Michael Strait, and then you know American intellectuals like Edmund Wilson and and um, uh, Dos Passos and and um, Martha Gellhorn, all of them, Dorothy Parker, they were all still kind of fellow travelers. This is and and we have to keep reminding ourselves that that uh, you know the uh, Hitler and Nazism were ascendant and and. Um, and, and Stalin, at least, was making the right noises about, about that until he signed the Hitler-Stalin pact. <laughs> but it's the, I mean, just trying to take a little bit of the longer view, yeah. and I was reminded of this when Castro died, and mm -hmm. there was a yeah. talk in the New York Times obituary about Herbert Matthews, who had yes. Times correspondent who had fallen 
for Castro, and there was yeah. a Times correspondent named Walter Durante oh, boy. who won a Pulitzer yeah. Prize, which they had to give back because he fell so hard for the Soviet yeah. Union. Uh, they just wrote propaganda in, in the New York Times. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of people in, uh, who fell for it, and I, as I sort of, maybe this is my, my weakness for, for Arthur Schlesinger, who I, I do revere, um, the, the people who are looking good right now to me are the liberal anti-communists. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who, when they, after the show trials, after the real information came out, they became anti-communists, but they didn't, they didn't go all the way to the right and start yeah. witch hunts. Yeah, they, they, they were just, not McCarthyists, uh, yeah. But the, uh, you know, the interesting thing, which I think uh, this book clarifies, is that, is that in the 30s, the woods were full of witches. Um, it's, it's by the time, uh, Hoover and McCarthy started hunting them, there were virtually none. Um, so they manufactured them, uh, partly to compensate for their early, um, dereliction of duty. Uh, but, but in the thirties it was real and, and Washington, the Washington cell, um, was, uh, was, uh, a, a hotbed of real revolutionaries, Alger Hiss and Noel Field among them, who really wanted to blow the whole place apart and and felt that that revolution was was the only way. And they and you know a, across across the sea was the shining example of the successful Russian revolution. And this was before they knew about the Gulag and the and the. Um, the, the Ukrainian famine, which was absolutely an artificial famine uh, manufactured by, by Stalin. So they didn't know that. They didn't know that until they read about it in Darkness at Noon, which was the first, first serious look at, at the high cost of, um, of, of, of um, the Russian Revolution's success. But, but. Um, thank you all so much for coming, and thank you, Kathy. Great evening. Cotty, Cotty Martin, thank you so much. Jonathan Alter, always great having you back. Um, everyone, just a reminder that our authors will be signing books. Cotty's new book is here. <clears throat> we have several of Jonathan's books. Our museum store has just been newly renovated. Uh, recently, when you've come, we've had a kiosk. Now the museum store is back in, in towards the uh, 77th Street side. So please stay. Always wonderful having you with us, and thank you very much.